Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. And if, if, if God pursued you, just like this song said, if, if you were in a place where it was very ungodly, but God continued to, to pursue you, just, just give him a round of applause. Amen. Father, we do thank you that, Lord God, even when we're apart from you, you still, you still come after us, Lord. You still call us to yourself. That's amazing, Lord. And, and Lord, in so many ways we don't deserve it, Lord God, but because you sent your Son to the cross, you opened up an avenue for each one of us. That's, that's the, the reckless love that you have for each one of us, that you would sacrifice your Son for me. Lord, I thank you so much. Personally, I thank you so much for that. Lord, there's a powerful name it's a wonderful and a beautiful and a powerful name of Jesus that, that we proclaim and that we speak over this, this community, over this body right here at Bridge Assembly, over each person in here. We, we speak the name of Jesus, the, the name of life, the name of truth, the name that, that, that rids the darkness. The darkness flees at the name of Jesus. And, and that's why we're here today to proclaim the name of your son our lord and our savior jesus christ so today lord god we want nothing more than to spend time with you and to spend time with with your body your bride the church lord that's your wonderful will that's your wonderful plan so lord let each one of us step into that being humble repenting, turning away from sin in our life to chase you to wherever that might take us. Lord God, we, we want to go on the wonderful adventure that you have for each one of us. And Lord God, as you continue to reveal the mystery of your word, the mystery of the gospel, Lord God, we're in awe of how complete and wonderful and beautiful you actually are so today lord god as we are gathered together as one body of believers seeking and worshiping you lord god we want to bless your holy name holy spirit you are active you are aware you are at work and we love that we don't want to be apart from that ever we want to follow your leading you want to take us lord god we're good with that because we have confidence in you and we're safe within your hands there's no fear there's no intimidation there's no anger when we're at home with you so lord god this morning we are here to be at home with you jesus we pray this in your mighty and holy name and everyone shout it out amen you guys may be seated. Amen. You guys doing good today? Anybody enjoying the cooler weather and the rain? Amen to that. Yes, it's a good little relief. It's, it's good stuff. Well, kids, I'm going to dismiss you, kids. 
right now. One brother ran, the other's walking. I like that. All right, adults. You know what? I'm going to just I'm just going to you guys have bulletins, you guys have the app with announcements on it. Look at that. Um, the one announcement I want to throw out there is the, the um, raft trip, the float that was supposed to take place yesterday didn't take place because of the wonderful weather that we came in and that we're all enjoying. But it would have been just a little bit chilly on the river, so that has been postponed till next Sunday. Next Saturday. Next Saturday. Don't go Sunday. You'll miss church. So same time, same place, 9 a.m., Grub steak. If you have any questions, ask Tamara. She'll fill you in on all those answers. But uh, so you're just postponing that. Other than that, look at your bulletins um, for announcements and everything else. Opportunity to give. Let's do that real quick. Four ways to give. Of course, you can give online through the app. Text the amount you want to give. You can use a giving box, um, mail it. It's always great to, to designate if you need to. Remember, 10% is tithe. That you don't designate, but anything above that would be your offering. And that is, you can designate. Lots of good stuff going on. Lots of exciting things happening here at Bridge. With that being said, I want to jump into this message because it's such a great message because we're dealing with a really great portion of of Scripture here. So let's pray for that, and and we'll get started. Father, once again, we are thankful to be here. We want to be here this morning. Lord, I don't know where else I'd want to be. I want to be with the body of believers in unity, worshiping you. What a wonderful thing that is. So Lord, this is your service. This is your teaching. This is your word. So expand it to us. Open it up to us however you see fit. Please, though, open up our ears. Sometimes our ears get clogged or, or uh, man, there's so many other voices and noises that, that interfere. So open up our ears. Open up our eyes that we can see, Lord. Too often our eyes are, are diverted. They're enticed in another area. Lord God, help us to keep our eyes upon you. Open up our hearts, Lord, that we may receive, Lord God, that there's no... Um, there's no pride or arrogance or, or hard-heartedness in, inside there that we may have an open heart to receive what you have to say to us. And Lord God, don't let us check out with our brain, Lord. Keep our brains active. Keep our brains engaged and focused upon you. Lord God, you never called your church to be brain dead you called your church to be active. So Lord, we ask you to do that. Holy Spirit, allow me to speak. Only those things that you would have me to speak. Shut my mouth with everything else. I trust you in that. And it's an amazing place to get to when we can have that confidence within you. And like I always pray, and I always look at that door when I pray. Don't let anybody leave this building, this sanctuary, this parking lot the same way as they came in. Lord, we desire to be affected. We desire to be changed by you each and every Sunday, as well as each and every day, every time that we pray. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, I got to admit something to you guys. That's okay. You like a pastor that's open, right? Um, 
So we're, we're, we're working through this series on, on Colossians, and, it, and it's awesome, and I love it. And last week we got through chapter 1. It only took us nine Sundays to get through chapter 1, and that's, that's awesome. And, you know, I like to read Colossians, and then I look forward, and I, and I see what's going on, and I, and I have to admit that, that there's a piece in chapter 2 that we are going to get to that's fully amazing. But we can't just jump in there because we'd skip over a bunch of verses to get there. So as I was looking and praying and everything, I was so excited that that's coming up, but I kind of thought, man, I just got to get through these first five verses in, uh, in chapter two before we can get to that really good stuff, right? And I said, you're crazy, because there's a whole lot of good stuff in verses one through five, and that's what we get to go today. And as I begin to study and pray and look into that and reread it, it just blew my mind how amazing that these these beginning verses are. And all too often we can do that in our lives, can't we? We can look at something and think, wow, look at what's coming up. And we try to focus upon that without realizing what we're going through at the moment is truly beautiful and amazing. So today we're going to get into some stuff. We're going to expand this scripture. We're going to just, it's going to blow you away. So let's, let's jump in and let's get started. Um, so as you know, we are, we're working our way through this wonderful, powerful, short book called Colossians. And finally, we get to start chapter 2. It's a good day. It's a good day when we turn the page. However, in the original scriptures, it wasn't, Paul didn't write, oh, now we're on to chapter 2. Oh, I'm gonna, he didn't have to put a V1 in anywhere. That's, that's man dividing that. But for us today, as we study, it's, it's, it's nice to have that separation. And t- t- today, chapter 2 is going to be good. Um, actually, the entire chapter 2 is going to be great. Just like the entire book of Colossians is great. I'll take it one step farther. The entire Bible is great. It's all my, you'll hear me say my favorite verse all the time because they're all my favorite verses. Well, most of them. So chapter one, we're through that, but chapter one is packed full of some some really insightful and some really powerful stuff. Wouldn't you agree if you've been here for, for all of chapter one or caught online, we've, went, we've gone through a lot. We've, we've looked into it. There's some really powerful stuff. We see that Paul is affirming the supremacy of Christ. How can that not be amazing? And he also talks about the reason for his ministry. And both of these things are good for us to hear to study, to apply into our own lives. Um, If you have not already done this, I would completely encourage you to do this. Go back and reread chapter 1 in its entirety. It's not going to take you nine weeks to do that. By any means, it's going to take you um, a few minutes, really, to get through that. But it's always good to go back and, and allow that to be all tied together. So if you haven't done that yet, um, I know there's some people that, that at least once a week they're, they're reading through the entire book of Colossians. Again, that's something you can do relatively quickly. Just do it. It's amazing when we, when we read it and then we expand it together and then we apply it and then when we go back and read it, we get a lot out of that. Now before we get into chapter 2, let's remember why Paul is writing this letter to the faithful believers in the Colossian church. I'm going to keep doing this because it's important. 
Paul's writing this because he, he wants to convey, he needs to keep it in front of them that Jesus is central and, a, and supreme to all things and in all things, that Jesus is the Son of God and that we are to strive to live a life in Christ. Now, within all of those things, we need to um, ask the big question, are we actually applying these principles into each one of our lives? We do this by making it personal, and we make it personal by just making these statements personal. Jesus, you are central and supreme to me in all things and in my life. Jesus, I do believe you are the Son of God. Jesus, I will constantly and continually strive to live a life in you as my Lord and Savior. Those are huge statements as believers in Christ, right? We can't just be like, eh, I go to church sometimes, I call myself a Christian and, and this and that. When we look at statements like this, those, are, those have gravity, right? Those are weighty, and we need to be applying those into our lives every day. We confess with our mouth, we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord. These are other things that we confess with our heart, or with our mouth, and believe in our heart. All right, on to chapter two in your Bibles. You have your Bibles, just get it ready. Get into chapter two. Get your highlighter ready. You might want to take some notes today. We're going to go through a lot because Paul goes through a lot in these first opening verses. Really, there's about three main things that we're going to look at in these parts. So chapter two. Chapter two begins with Paul expressing his concern and his responsibility that he feels for those that he served, right? Isn't that amazing and interesting that, that Paul has, has such a compassion in his heart, but he feels, he feels a concern and a responsibility, not just to the faithful believers in the Colossian church, but to all the churches out there. The concern we see in these first few verses of, of chapter 2 really stem from the needed response of the faithful believers to the false teachings that are being propagated in the Colossian church. Remember really the, the reason why Paul had to write this, this epistle, this letter, is because of the false teachings that are trying to invade this church. See, Paul, he feels this, this deep responsibility here. First, because he is a steward of the gospel, right? We talked about that a couple Sundays ago, again last Sunday. He's a steward of the gospel. He takes care of the gospel. It's important for him to represent the gospel and Jesus Christ in a worthy manner. And second, he genu genuinely wants people to experience Jesus personally, to grow in Jesus deeply and to be presented to Jesus completely. If you forgot any of that, go back and, and reread chapter 1. And once again, as born-again believers, and as a Bible-believing church, we need to have these exact same goals, don't we? We really do. We need to be stewards of the gospel. We need to be stewards of the Word of God. We need to represent the Word and Jesus appropriately to those around it. It's a treasure. It's a responsibility. It's both of those combined. And He's entrusted us with that. And then we also want to love one another in a way that we, we represent Jesus, that we, we bring people to Jesus. Not, not in a condemning way. We don't want to beat people over the head with a Bible, but, but we want to live our life in a way that, that that's enticing 
to the world who lives without Jesus and they're hopeless, they're in darkness. So each and every one of us, we need to be doing these exact same things that Paul is doing. And it really, if you think about it, I, I was looking at this, I was reading it, and it, it kind of dawned on me that that light bulb kind of went on. It was, it was a lot of times my light bulb's a little dim. I haven't upgraded to LEDs yet, so it's up there, and sometimes it's a little, little dim. There's no hair getting in the way of that, so I don't understand. But, but as I'm reading this and I'm thinking about it, what I'm seeing is, is Paul is actually doing, what he is actually doing is, is he's living out the great commandment. You remember what the great commandment is? If we take the great commandment and we condense it down, it's simply this, love God and love others. That's the great commandment that Jesus left with us, left for us to do. And one of the ways that we can love God is by keeping his word close to us, alive and active in our lives. All the while, we are living out in an authentic example of Christ. Once again, that's stewardship, isn't it? That's the essence of stewardship right there. And one of the ways that we love others is by taking responsibility for their walk, right? I'm not saying that you, you walk their walk, but we're to take responsibility in the walk of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, I don't have time this morning, but there are some really great scriptures that back both of these principles, both of these statements up. So if you want, I would also encourage you to do a study for yourself. I think it would be great. I think you'd get a lot out of it. This idea of stewardship of the gospel as well as taking a responsibility in the faith of your brothers and sisters. Practically speaking here, anyone who shares an exalted view of the supremacy of Christ and the power of the gospel, listen close, cannot sit back and tolerate or be indifferent to the erosion caused by false teaching and doctrine errors. Amen. That is us today because there is a lot of erosion of the gospel message caused by false teaching. And there is just a lot that's coming against the power of the gospel. There's a lot of doctrine error out there, and it's being preached from the pulpit. And as true born-again believers, putting the Bible above all things, we need to position ourselves and we need to walk in a manner that doesn't casually sit back and say, well, if it's good for them, it's good for them. If it's good for them, it's good for them. And if this is good for me, it's good for me. No, truth. Truth breaks that. There is one truth, and truth is held with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as revealed by the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Guys, we got to stand on the Word of God. we got to stand on it, and we got to proclaim it, and we, we can't get wishy-washy. Just because culture tells us one thing, just because mankind is evolving into this or that, it doesn't matter. Truth is above that, and that will always be subservient to the Word of God. We just need to have the courage to stand up in that. So we can't sit back and, and tolerate those things that we are seeing happening as we speak. So we see that being a steward of the word and taking a responsibility in our faith and in our brothers and sisters are forever tied together. 
bound by both the Great Commission as well as the Great Commandment. It's both of them, and it's right there. All right, let's, uh, with that context in mind, let's, let's look at verse 1. We're going we're gonna to start out. Chapter 2, verse 1, out of the Amplified, it, it says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those believers in Laodicea, and for all who, like yourselves, have never seen me face to face. The Greek word that, that, that is used here for struggle can also be translated as exerting. So Paul is struggling, he is exerting. There's something that he is exerting. And as we have seen in other areas of Paul's writing, we just know that that the time he is writing in, um, where he is writing from, remember he's a prisoner in Rome right now, but he is he's not writing to the Jewish culture, he's, he's writing to the, the Gentile culture. So as we, we read through this, we, we have this understanding that Paul is implying the example of being in the arena of a Roman games here, right? That's just what they would have thought of. Um, we wouldn't necessarily, because that's not the context that we are living in. But back then, man, there was so much that was built around the Roman games. So when Paul uses words like exerting, they're going to automatically think, oh, they're going to tie it to those Roman games and things that were happening in those Roman games. See, this would have been a metaphor that the faithful believers in the, the Colossian church could understand They could wrap their brain about it, and it would have conveyed to them the gravity of what was really going on here. Paul is struggling. He is exerting against the powers that have come against this church and seek to challenge, change, and crush it. And he sees this as a fight. And Paul is willing to stand up for the church and and go toe-to-toe with anyone who seeks to divide, deceive, or divert the faith of the believers. How many of you guys want a Paul on your side? Man, I do. How many of you guys have a Paul on your side? Right? We have people in our lives that's like, man, if you're going through something, I'm going through something. If you're struggling, I'm going to be exerting. I'll go toe-to-toe with you. Though I'm not going through it, I will stand with you because I know you will do the same to me. It's a very good principle. It's an amazing principle. It's very much a Christian principle. See, we don't have to go through anything by ourselves. Some of you guys in here are so mixed up with that. When you go through stuff, there's other Christian brothers and sisters that will walk with you through that stuff. So he sees this fight. Paul sees this fight, and and he's willing to stand for the church, and he's willing to to be with them. And and we're going to see how that plays out, and and we're going to expand that here in a second. See, Paul is confirming to these believers that though he may have never met them, he may have never seen them face to face, there is a much greater bond going on here. Isn't that so wonderful about being a Christian, right? We are bound together with so many other Christians that we will never see face to face, that we may never meet. See, it's the bond of the believers. And it links together our brothers and sisters in Christ by the blood 
of Jesus. We're family. We're family here, and family stands up for family. Paul is affirming his love and responsibility for these fellow believers, and and in so doing, he is telling them that he has their back. And he will not only stand with them, he will also guide them through this season of battle, this season of of chaos, this season that, that, that they're going through as they're watching their church False teachers come in there and try to divide the church. Paul's saying, I am here with you, fighting, guiding, and standing with you. Amen. Amen. Got to understand that. Because that shows the characteristics of Paul and who he actually is. Now, Paul has two weapons at his disposal here. And these two weapons that he's using here are first, this very letter that he is writing, which serves as reassurance to the faithful believers, but it's also guidance. And let us not forget the encouragement. Paul is writing this letter to encourage these faithful believers to stand strong. So that's the first weapon he uses is his actual writing, his counsel, his direction. The second weapon is even a much more powerful weapon. The second weapon that he has here is prayer. It's prayer. Paul understood the importance and the power of prayer. And I wonder if we tend to fall just a little bit short here. We were to measure up Paul's ideas of prayer, our ideas of prayer. I bet they're not quite the same. Now, as we know, Paul, he was under arrest by the Roman authority when he wrote this letter. So when he speaks of struggling and exerting we know that he cannot physically go to Colossae and confront these false teachers. So sometimes when we read something like struggle and exerting, we go right into the physical aspect of that. Well, we know that Paul can't do that, so that removes that aspect, so it must be something different. Now, even though that Paul can't physically go and confront these false teachers and build up the faithful believers in this church, It doesn't matter to Paul because he understands the root cause of this deception and he also knows what it takes to confront such matters. So with bold resolve, he takes this matter to prayer. And Paul's own words in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 echo deeply. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we are not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. Our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every act of obedience when our own obedience as a church is complete. How often do we adopt this same mindset? Come on. You guys are so quiet. What's going on? Start talking about prayer and we close our mouths. Start talking about the power of prayer, the intensity, the need for prayer. And, and sometimes we sink back in our seat. Pastor, don't make eye contact with me. Not today. Not today. 
any other day, but not today. So we have to ask ourselves when we read passages like this, when we have an understanding that Paul's saying, I'm, I'm struggling, I'm exerting effort, not in a physical way, but in a spiritual way, as to do with prayer, Paul's saying that's so important. It demolishes things. It's more important to, to pray than to actually be there. Do we believe that? Is that our mindset? Are we putting that into our life? Is that active within our life? Come on, people. It's a question you've got to ask yourselves. How much credibility do you put in prayer? Is it something you do because you're a Christian? I'm a Christian, so I guess I need to pray. I'm a Christian because I have to pray. Okay, we're going to eat, so I guess I have to pray for them. That's not what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about intense, powerful, voluntary prayer. Not because he has to, but because he knows what prayer accomplishes. He knows the power of prayer. And he knows that only prayer is going to accomplish in this church what needs to be done. Are you praying prayers? Are you looking to prayer and thinking that it is powerful enough to change your situation? Are you praying that way? Fervently. Passionately. Intently. Understanding that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what the bank says. It doesn't matter what my employer says. It doesn't matter what... The government says, none of that matters because I'm focused in on prayer. And despite what I pray and how I pray, I am trusting that God's will be done, just like the song we sang. But I go to Him in prayer. Prayer builds relationship. Prayer changes each one of us. Prayer realigns our focus on what we need to focus on. Therefore, it changes how we see each situation. Paul has an understanding that prayer is powerful enough to change any situation, mostly because it starts in changing me. I mean, really, how much? How much do we believe in the importance and the potential of the power of prayer in our lives? It's a hard question, but it's a good question. How willing are you to struggle and exert yourselves in prayer? Not just for our own needs, but for our family, for our church, for our friends, and for those that we may never meet face to face? Are you willing to struggle and exert your prayer in this? See, as Christians, we, we often say, let me pray about that. Or, brother, sister, I'll be, I'll be praying for you. We say that all the time. We hear it all the time on Sunday mornings. Is that just a quick little prayer? Impersonal? If you remember? And if you have time? Are you actually meaning those words and fervently taking it to God Himself? See, that's these little quick prayers. 
oh, God, just take care of that situation over there, and, and God bless my life, and, and Lord, I could really use this. See, that's not what we see in, in Paul. And sometimes I think we can overlook this aspect of Paul's ministry, but it's also his lifestyle. Do a study on how many times Paul talks about prayer and the importance of prayer. It's Paul that said, pray without ceasing for goodness sakes. We cease without praying. I don't know, we get everything mixed up. And it's something that we, we relatively, we don't spend enough time praying because we have too many other avenues to solve our problems or our issues or get through the day that we can rely on instead of prayer, which means we're not relying on God. We're relying on our own abilities or somebody else's abilities. Just think about that. Evaluate that in your own life. I don't want to stay on this too long, but it's important. See, in Paul's life, there were times that involved some truly intense conflict and struggles. Paul's agony here for the Colossian church drove him to fervently pray for them and the health and the protection of that church. Remember, it's a church he had never been to. He had never visited this church. He had never preached in this church. He didn't know the congregations. They never had a potluck for Paul because Paul he just wasn't there yet, yet he's, he's involved through prayer with this church. I think we all need to be challenged in our prayer life as we now maybe understand better the importance Paul places in prayer and the power that it holds. Amen? Let's keep going. Let's look at verses 2 and 3. For my hope is that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding, the joy of salvation resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God, that is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purpose of God. This this right here, these two verses right here, they are so good for us to hear. So good for us to hear individually, but it's so good for us to hear as a church. See, in a time, the time that we're living in, it's a time of division. It's a time of isolation. Even within many churches, there's division and isolation. There's people who, who, they love a big church. Man, the bigger the better. Why? Because I can come in and I can leave without actually having to get to know anyone. I can hide in the back, come in late for worship, and then, then I'm going to leave a little bit before church is turned loose. So I don't have to talk to people. I don't have to get involved. See, that's, that's, isolation. There's also churches that for whatever reason, they're divided against each other. Oh, there's this side over here that, that likes this, and there's this side over here that, that wants this, and, and it's a me, me, me mentality, and they can't get together because that person said this, or they don't follow what I believe, and, and this, and that's division. It's not supposed to occur in churches, but the reason it does occur in churches is because churches are full of people, and people mess things up, They've been messing things up from the beginning and they will continue to mess things up. But it's in our humility that we come to Jesus, we bow down and we give him all of that junk. 
And he said, now I can start again. See, we see what Paul is hopeful for and why he has taken the time to say what he said in this letter up to now, so far, right? Now we're getting into to all of this that he said is, is, is kind of coming together right here. So that hearts may be encouraged and that the church is united in love. Wouldn't that be a wonderful place to come to once a week where your heart can be encouraged? And it's a place that's united in love. That, that, that the moment you pull into the parking lot and walk into the door and, and grab a coffee or sit down and, and worship, it's, it's this just place of encouragement and love. Wouldn't that be an amazing place to come to once a week? Gosh, how many of you guys would want to come there more than once a week? Well, I don't know. It might not fit in my schedule. That's how we sometimes treat church and things like that. We do a great time, I think, of encouraging and, and, and feeling love. You know, I talked to somebody a couple weeks ago, and they said something that has stuck with me. Somebody who didn't know anybody here. They, they, weren't, really, they weren't invited. Somebody wasn't waiting at the door saying, Oh, I'm so glad you showed up. Come sit with me. They, they walked in um, not knowing what to expect. And that person said the moment they walked through the doors, it's as if everybody in the church was expecting me. Like they were waiting for me to show up. And I felt welcomed. And that person's been here ever since. That's what Paul's talking about here. He wants, he wants that to happen. So in the context of this letter, Paul is encouraging them to be strengthened in their struggle against the false teaching that's coming against them at this moment. But it goes deeper because Paul is also conveying comfort, confidence, and optimism united, or as Paul says, knit together. See, that points to this visual of, of separate things coming together to become one thing. See, all of you guys are separate. You guys were all separate at one point. But when you chose Bridge Assembly, hey, I'm going to attend Bridge Assembly, and I'm truly going to attend it, not just on Christmas and Easter or once in a while, but I'm, I'm actually going to attend it, and I'm going I'm to actually connect with people. Instead of being on the outside, you are now connected within the body. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing. I enjoy watching Forged in Fire. How many of you guys watched that show? I knew Jordan did. I knew it, man. I, I absolutely knew. It's a great show, man. It's like, yeah, it's a reality show, but it's more real than most reality. You know, most reality shows are completely fake. This one's actually more real because there's skills that are involved. And if you've never seen it, Forged in Fire is a blade-making competition where the contestants, they're given these parameters, like you got to make a knife this many inches, or it's got to be in this style, and then they're giving the, these medals, these different medals, and they have to take these medals and their own abilities, and they're planning, and they have to make a knife out of what they're given that will then be tested on a bone chop, right, and a melon slice. 
or something like that. There's all these different tests. And it's a fascinating process to me because they're taking these various pieces and types of metal and they're heating them and then through pressure welding them together into a one solid piece of metal. But if you've ever watched it, you know that if there are any impurities in there, it messes everything up. And the metals will either not weld together or they will be weak and they will fail in testing. See, there's a biblical example even in a silly show like Forged in Fire because God intends each church to be forged in fire. See, we're all different metals. And we come together and all of us have these impurities in our lives, right? And if we try to just stick them together without the pressure, the fire, the knowledge of God, they kind of get stuck together. But when the testing comes, it fails. It breaks. It's never truly knit together and it's never truly unified. So do we welcome the fire and the pressure that comes? Amen. We absolutely do. Do we, do we welcome the process of coming to the altar and humbling ourselves so that we may get rid of the impurities that is keeping us to become knit together and united as a body of believers? We better. We, it's no fun to clean stuff, right? You watch that show and people are like, man, I got to take this extra time. See, they only have a certain like three hours to do this, these things. It's like, man, I only got three hours. Should I clean? Skip the cleaning process. The ones that are successful understand that it's the cleaning process that sets them up to success later. It's the process of taking that extra time in the heating process that sets them up for success later. It's the ones that they press that metal a few extra times to weld it together that are successful. We need to understand the same things. This Christian mentality of serving Jesus is so easy, I can just lazily step into this faith journey. I can go to church and never really plug in. I can never truly desire to get rid of the impurities in in my life, sets you up for failure is what it does. Not only that, those impurities can then affect the overall health of the body. It's hard to get knit together when you're, all your junk is getting in the way. And it doesn't have to because Jesus wants to take that junk. I'm not saying, I am not saying clean yourself up before you come to church. I'm saying come to church and get cleaned up with your brothers and sisters. Make an effort in that and become a part of the body. See, all this forged in fire stuff, it's the same, same thing that Paul is talking about here. And his hope is that the knitting or the welding together, which does come through a time of refining and pressure, his desire is that it is solid. Because a unified, knit together body of believers is truly a force to be reckoned with. Why? When the body unites in prayer and worship, they overwhelm the darkness. 
How many of you guys believe that? See, far too many churches and far too many Christians are, are hiding in the corner. Don't let the darkness creep in on me. We're just trying to keep it over here. Society is getting crazy. There's all sorts of agendas. There's all sorts of things that are happening. I just hope they don't come after the church. And they live in this fear. But what we have to understand that when a body is united in Christ, living under the truth of Scripture, bound by the Holy Spirit, in prayer and in worship, that itself overwhelms pushes back, struggles, exerts against the darkness. Don't buy the lie that the darkness is uncontainable, that it's just the world we live in, everything's just going to continue to get bad. We were put on this earth as temples of the Holy Spirit to push back against that darkness. We need to be pushing back against the darkness. How do we do that? It starts with being knit together as a body of believers. Not my idea as a pastor. It's God's idea. It's Jesus' idea. It's God, the Father's metaphor, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. The body has to be the body. And as Paul says, they have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding of the joy of salvation, which results in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God that is Christ in whom are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purpose of God. It all comes together. So let's look at this. Paul is reaffirming what he spoke of in the latter part of chapter 1 and shows how a unified body can realize their potential. A unified body. In our lives, in our separate Christian lives, the only way that we can truly discover our full potential is if we're unified in the body. See, that results in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God. And, and that, is, that is all of those amazing things. Of course, of course, this is Paul's hope for the, the, the Colossian church. Of course it's Paul's hope for the For goodness sakes, he's writing this letter specifically to the Colossians church so we understand. That is his hope for the Colossians church. But also know that it is his hope for every other church and every other believer, including ours. Now look at this. I want you guys to write it down. Take a picture. I don't care, but this is so important. So we see that the health of bridge assembly is bound together with your willingness to realize Christ's potential for you and your desire to be knit into this body. See, the success of bridge assembly, and we don't judge success by how many seats are filled. We don't judge success by how much money we bring in. We don't judge success by any of those earthly standards. We judge success as being a church that is after God's own heart, fulfilling the great commandment and the great commission, right? We, we, that's how we judge success. But the success and the health of Bridge Assembly can only be realized in, because of your willingness to be bound together, to be knit together as a body. It's important to see this as your body and to jump into that, not as an afterthought, not as an extra. Listen to me when I say this. 
Christianity at its roots was never and can never be a spectator or a solo sport. Can't sit on the sidelines. Can't sit up on the last bleachers. Not going to do anybody any good. Especially not going to do yourself good. A casual relationship with Christ and a distant relationship with your church makes a healthy faith quite challenging. Uh, 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 but if I say amen, what does that mean? Am I on the hook for something? Do we actually believe that? How many in here actually believe that? This casual relationship with Christ that so many Christians have. Because if you have a casual relationship with Christ, you can also have a casual relationship with the world. You're just all casual. I can do the Jesus thing on Sunday after I did the worldly thing on Saturday night, and, and everything's good, and I feel good about that. That's a recipe for destruction. And if we try to have a distant relationship with our church, oh, I'll come when I can when I don't have anything else better to do. If I'm open that Sunday, maybe we should start rearranging our agenda, our schedules, and put Sunday mornings kind of up on the list there. I'm not saying you've got to come to church to go to heaven. What I'm saying is, is if you come to church, it's going to be a lot easier to get to heaven because you're surrounded you're knit together. You're in the body. You have connection. You've got brothers and sisters that are standing with you, helping you through things, ministering to you. How is that a bad idea? Seriously. It shouldn't be a bad idea. But in the name of convenience and ease, many churches have gone the way of let's make church convenient and easy for people. And I don't know that... The, the Father, I don't know that Jesus Himself, I don't know the Holy Spirit is, is looking at us and saying, well, whatever's easiest for you guys. I think it's quite the opposite. He demands our attention. He demands our attendance with Him. That's just how it is. Don't, don't send me texts and emails this afternoon. Um, take it out, look in your Bible, take it to God directly. Because this ain't my idea, this is His. But I will say it's a pretty good idea. So if you're sitting here, or you're listening online, it's hard to get knit into the body if you're online all the time. I know some people, they can't get here. Some people are not even in this state. I am glad you're listening, but I need you to understand that being here matters. But if you're here, if you're listening, whatever, and if you are wondering why you are stagnant in your faith, or you're going nowhere in your faith, I think this is a really good place to start looking. You have a casual relationship with Jesus and a distant relationship with your church, you're probably going to be stagnant, going nowhere, spinning your wheels. You gotta commit. You gotta engage. You gotta connect. And you gotta participate. Amen. Now I get the amens. <laughs> now I get the amen is right. So Paul now clarifies a few things just so there is little question as to the importance of what he is writing. 
in verse 4, you can really feel Paul's concern and love for the believer, the believers in this church. Listen to what he says in, in verse 4. I say this so that no one will, be, will deceive you with per, pervasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments. I love that he sticks that in. It's like, man, this is why I'm saying this. This is what my concern is. So Paul's seeing this. He's seeing what's going on in this church. He's having people come, and their epiphras is coming. He's saying, man, this is crazy. We've got false teachers that are coming in, and, and they're leading some people astray, and the faithful believers are trying to stand here. And, and so Paul writes this letter, talking about the supremacy of Christ, the reason for his ministry, all these great things. And then he gets to Colossians 2.4, and he says, I say this, I say all of this, so no one will deceive you with fancy talk, persuasive arguments, thoroughly deceptive arguments. Isn't that great? Don't you love that Paul just says, hey, I've done all this and I've gotten to this point. Now you got to listen. You guys better listen to this because this is why I'm doing this. Because, because I'm praying, but you're there. So you, we got to be praying together. we got to be aligned together. And, and though I'm standing firm with you, you got to be standing firm as well, right? It's like far too often we can look at Paul. I'm sure they were looking at, well, Paul's coming to rescue us. We're saved. Call the pastor, because we can't do this on our own. Man, I'm here to stand firm with you guys, not for you guys, right? We need to be knit together and stand firm together. Don't put your responsibility upon me. I've got enough of my own responsibilities, right? There's a lot of sheep. Some of them stray a lot, right? And that's a big responsibility. But there's stuff like, hey, so-and-so needs prayer. Call the pastor. No, pray for that person. Let's stand firm together. See, everything that Paul has said up to this point is with intentionality. Again, the supremacy of Christ, rejoicing in his struggles for the good of the church, being a steward of the gospel, standing against false teaching and the importance of prayer has been affirmed to this church by Paul's writings, but also demonstrated by how Paul lives his life. And now we come to this statement and further our understanding as to what we are up against. Remember, I say these things that no one will deceive you. On the surface, we look out there, on the surface we understand that there's a lot of people out there who seek to draw you away from Christ. Do you understand that? You are surrounded by people that are trying to draw you away from Christ. Goodness sakes, there was a parade in town yesterday that was seeking to draw people away from Christ. See, they'll say it's their own agenda, it's they're just celebrating and things like that. No, they're seeking to draw people away from Christ. So on the surface, we have that, that understanding that there's people that try to draw us away from Christ and really to cause us to question the Word of God. We just need to understand that, that that exists out there. And they use smooth talk that can be alluring and convincing. They put it under the camouflaged guise of social justice and equality and standing up against hate and, and things like that. It's, it's smooth. It gets in there, of course. As a Christian, don't you think hate is bad? 
Well, of course I do. Well, then you'll understand that the tolerance is good. And they smooth in there and, and they try to deceive what the Bible says and what God is conveying to that. And we got to be aware of this. But we also need to know where the seed of these choking weeds come from. We can look to 1 Peter 5.8 for that. Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Now, does any of us in here think that, the, that Satan himself actually manifests as a hungry lion and he's going around physically tearing... Not Mike. Mike can just shoot him, but other people that they're tearing at that person, right? And and that Satan's this beast that's trying to eat us, so we should run away and grab our bears. But none of us think that way. We understand that, that what this is saying is something very different. See, we know from Genesis chapter 3, I go back to that so often because there's so much said in there. We know that the devil loves to use smooth talk and deception to trip us up. He's a roaring lion seeking people to devour through his deception and through his smooth talk, through his lies. He tells us what we want to hear. And when we listen to him instead of God, that's when he devours us. Paul is telling the faithful believers, as well as us, to be aware, alert, and awake. Because someone is always going to try to grab your ear and compel you to listen to their deceptive arguments. You will surely not die. For, for God knows that when you eat, your eyes will be opened. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. What's wrong with knowing good and evil? You're not going to die, so nothing bad is going to happen. And God knows. God knows. He's just keeping it from you because He's an angry, mean God. What He actually knows is He doesn't want your eyes open. He doesn't want you... That's the liar and the deceiver. Now in verse 5, come to verse 5, and Paul offers encouragement to embolden the faithful here. For even though I am absent from you in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, delighted to see your good discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front, and to see the stability of your faith in Christ, your steadfast reliance on Him and your unwavering confidence in His power, wisdom, and goodness, that is so good. That is so good. That is so rich right there. See, even though Paul is not there, he is not physically with them, he does not see himself as a bystander. Paul has a sincere concern and stands in a spiritual oneness with these believers in Colossae. Not only that, he delights, Paul delights to see their discipline, that they have the, the, the stability in their faith in Christ. He delights in that. He's like, man, what I've heard is amazing. I'm standing with you, but, but we got we to gotta take this on. There's stuff we got to do. This verse 
really reading it. It's not a stretch. It's not like, wow, pastor had an amazing revelation there. No, anybody can see this. The verse makes me think of an army. It's an army. It's united. It's focused. They are standing firm in their faith, and Paul is emphasizing the need to meet the issues head on, to meet these problems head on. These things which are coming against the church They need to be together, shoulder to shoulder, unyielding, as they present this cohesive front to the false teachings and the false teachers that seek to invade. Man, when a church is united, and somebody walks in and they've got false teaching, bad doctrine, whatever it is, they kind of come in and they're going to try to disrupt their church, they're going to see right off, ooh, this is a united, Bible-believing, spirit-filled church. They're going to go find somewhere else. They're going to understand that, that their, their seed can't take root. But you've got to be shoulder to shoulder, cohesive and united. Everyone, please listen when I say this. We have to be a body that is united. We have to be a body that is knit together, shoulder to shoulder, because if we're not, we open the door to destruction. You hear that? We open the door to destruction, and I don't want to go through that. I don't want to have to live through that process where where a body is unhealthy, distanced from themselves, not united, and watch it crumble to the ground. Worship team, if you guys want to come up here. Now, if you struggle with what I'm talking about today, any part of it, but especially if you struggle with unity or actually being a part of the body, these are real and important issues to deal with. There's a reason that you struggle with being united in the body. And, and, and each one of us can have all sorts of reasons. There can be commitment reasons. There can be sin reasons. Maybe there is some offense that's wedged in there. Well, I'll still go on Sundays, but they offended me. pastor offended me when he said whatever from the pulpit or whatever. And, and that gets wedged in there and it keeps you from being knit together. Understand that can have an effect on the entire body. Or maybe it's, maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe some of you guys are carrying unforgiveness in here and that's keeping you from truly becoming a part of the body. You might have unforgiveness of somebody that's not even here. But that unforgiveness is in there. You're carrying it. Maybe, maybe there is somebody here. And man, I remember what they said to me. They said so-and-so's meatballs were better than mine. Man, I will never truly be a part of that church. But maybe that unforgiveness is towards yourself. Right? That can happen, right? You can, you can have unforgiveness towards yourself. You can think that you're unforgivable. And we say something very different, but something deep down in there, it's unforgiveness. And that's going to cause you to keep from being a part of this body knit together. There could be some hurt 
in your life. A lot of us carry hurt in our life, but you might be carrying hurt that's never been dealt with. Therefore, it's still an open wound. It's not scarred over. We got scars. Scars are our testimonies. But there has to be healing for them to become testimonies, right? So if you have hurt in your life that's never been dealt with, you need to deal with it. Maybe you need to bring it before God and ask Him the hard questions of why did that hurt come along. Maybe you need to sit down with somebody. Man, take yeah, invite somebody to coffee. Ease into it before you dump the truck. But go ahead and dump the truck, especially if somebody that you truly trust. See, when we deal with the hurt, then the healing comes. And when the healing comes, not only can we become unified and part of the body, we have a desire to do so. It could be distrust. Man, I got I got hurt by a church so bad it it man, it welled up inside of me all this distrust. All the while God's trying to call me into the ministry. Try living that life. Right? That's not fun to be to have that kind of life i had to to find a healthy church i had to find a healthy pastor i had to get in my bible i had to sit under biblical teaching for that distrust to be broken out of there and for trust to 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 fill those gaps and once that happened i not only wanted to be a part of that church i knew that god was calling me into ministry still for others it's just a commitment issue how hard is it to actually commit to a life of serving Jesus Christ and being a part of the body? Don't let this world fool you, telling you you don't have to commit to anything. Man, Jesus is saying, you got to commit to me. you got to be part of my body. So if you got this commitment issue, get over it. Turn to God. See what he has for you. Or maybe it just boils down to fear. Fear holds so many people back. What are you fearful of? I don't even know. Why don't you want to commit? I don't know. I'm fearful of something. Well, what is it? Is it hurt? Is it a past experience? What it, I don't even know. I'm just scared to. It's because it's different? Yeah, it might be that. What if different's better? Because if different is Jesus, different's always better. So if you're sitting in here and you're thinking, man, I don't know. What would that mean if I fully committed to being a Christian and fully unified myself with the body? What might that look like? Gosh, it would be different than what I have, and what I have isn't that good, but the difference scares me. Fear is silly, but fear is serious, and fear keeps too many people in check. Whatever the reason, if you feel outside the body today, telling you this that's no place to live it's time to deal with it and it's time to heal I mean you guys agree with that I didn't see I saw heads but I didn't see hands raised because you're thinking if if you're you raise your hand then then pastor's gonna do that altar thing and I'm gonna have to go up to the see that's fear that's dumb it's time to deal with these things it's time to heal. And once we heal, just like in the show, they got the metal and they're grinding it down because they want them impurities out. Because they want to get welded together in a solid hunk. Because when that solid hunk comes, they are a part of something much bigger than themselves. With Christ as the head, man, how amazing is that? 
Some people say, man, when I get to heaven, it's going to be so amazing. It's going to be wonderful. And I will not argue that. It's going to be beyond anything that we can comprehend. But here's the deal. We can start to live that today when we put Christ as our priority and we unify with a body of belief. This body, there's so much love in this body. There's so much maturity. There's so much wisdom. There's people that will fervently pray for you. There's people that will walk with you. Man, this body, this, this is the best church I've ever attended. I love this church. I want more people to know about this church, that they can become a part of this church. And maybe becoming a part of the church leads to a life in Jesus. I'm good with that. Like I said, you don't have to, you don't have to be the pure saint to attend this church. You can be the most broken sinner. Just be open to the Holy Spirit, to the power of Jesus in your life, and the love of a body that it is united. I'm telling you it's time to deal with it and to heal from it. Deal with whatever is holding you back and accept the Holy Spirit's healing touch. Amen. We're going to sing a great song. They're all great, right? Like, we're going to look at my favorite scripture. All the songs are great, but we're going to sing a song. It's the Lord's Prayer song. It's the song that we started with today when a lot of people were still in the parking lot and in the coffee place. So sometimes you guys miss the first song. Don't ever miss the first song. It's part of worship, but we're going to sing it again. It's an uplifting song. It's a song where we come together and we proclaim the Lord's Prayer together. And what I'm going to do this morning is a little different. I am going to invite everybody up front just to worship together as brothers and sisters in unity. Now, if you need something, if you need to, to deal with something, if you need to heal from something this morning, let's get it done. We've got prayer teams here. We've got people that will pray for you specifically. Come to the altar. Let me know. I will pair you up or I will pray for you myself. But if you've got issues, Amy tells me I got issues. I'm going to try to get rid of those issues this morning. If you've got issues that's holding you back from a true relationship with Jesus and being unified, knit together in this church, take this opportunity to deal with them. Amen. Everybody stand up. Turn the lights down. We're going to pray. And then we are gonna, we're going to get energetic man we're gonna come we're gonna fill this altar we're gonna worship together it's gonna be like a mosh pit but where nobody's gonna mosh we're not gonna knock anybody down or everything we're just gonna worship with our brothers and sisters in christ father your word is amazing father your word is so rich inspired by the holy spirit inerrant in its form and lord god when we dig into it when we dig into this short letter that Paul wrote, we see how important and valuable it is in each one of our lives. Lord, let us not brain dump this, but let us marinate on it. Let us apply it into our life and then employ it into the situations that we have. Lord, here at Bridge, my desire is to be unified under the headship of Jesus Christ. Lord God, help us to be a solid, knit-together body of believers that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. Lord God, not, not sheltering ourselves from the darkness, but invading the darkness with the glorious light, the mystery, the gospel message. Lord, help us to be stewards of that. 
Help us to be a praying church that prays for those that we have maybe never met, that truly believes that you can pull down strongholds and you can make a way where there is no way. Lord God, let that be our identity as a church. We pray this in the name, the powerful, wonderful, beautiful name of our King, Savior, and Lord Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. together man if you if yes. you've never gone out to coffee with somebody in this body make an arrangement to go out to coffee if you guys share a meal do something go on a walk man get plugged into this body see how amazing this body actually is we need it in our life but your desire to become a part of this body strengthens us as bridge assembly let's rearrange our priorities and put jesus at the top and part of that, amen, it said, don't forsake the assembly. Jesus wants us to be together more than once a week, but at least once a week. Amen. amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I bless each and every person leaving here today because, Lord, I know, Holy Spirit, I know nobody is going to leave this building the same way that they came in. So, Lord God, if they're struggling with this message, Lord God, help them through that. Lord God, if this is conviction, Lord God, your conviction is wonderful and beautiful. Lord God, if they're lonely and alone, Lord God, help them to, to make those connections because there's people here that will deeply connect with them. Overall, Jesus, we glorify you. You are the one and you are the only. You're the only one worth living for because we were the ones worth dying for. Jesus, you, we can love you because you first loved us no longer us who live but you who live in us we have associated with your death but also your life and the life we now live we live as more than conquerors lord god there is no lone wolf christian that's not it's not in your bible so help us to be knit together unstoppable in our prayer and lord god help us to reach the harvest that is Helena and the surrounding communities. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Once again, we glorify you and everyone without doubt. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com and we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.